This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today, we have got a crazy episode for you. And I'm just saying that up front. I'm not like Ryan Hanley and these other guys who go back and record the intro after they recorded the podcast. I am 100% confident minds will be blown based on this conversation because... Honestly, I'm just sit back and let these two guys just go nonstop and listen to what they have to say. We have Mr. Joe Hollier from Nifty Rewards, amongst other things, and then also guest host, my favorite guest host for anything tech-related, Mr. Ryan Deeds. So we're going to talk about the metaverse and some of the cool stuff that Joe has uh, been learning about and is implementing, and I'm going to let you just take it off and run with it, Joe, but before you get going into that, because I know that once we get started, it's game over, um, talk a little bit about your background and kind of who you are for our audience, because they may or might not know who you are. Sure. Thank you so much, David. Appreciate the intro. And uh, yeah, so I, I started working in the independent space uh, about 16 years ago. Uh, I've been an agent uh, for that duration. And uh, I love the industry, uh, but I realized a few years ago, uh, probably about three years ago, that I really wanted to grow my network outside of my local community. Like I felt like there was a lot of things happening around the insurance independent space, or you know, just kind of the industry. And uh, Ryan mentioned you mentioned Ryan Hanley. He he kind of got me inspired to pursue that more on uh, just getting to know people, getting out to conferences. Uh, so once I started doing that, I started to really see, Dave, the value in, in, in our community. Like when you could start to meet people that are doing just crazy, interesting things and uh, it gives you a whole different perspective on the industry. Um, I, I got really juiced up with that and I really got motivated to try to build my own community. And I started a, a live show on Instagram at the Insurance Scramble Live. And really the, the whole basis behind it was... I just wanted to meet new people. And I thought, you know what? Having a show is a great way to meet new folks and uh, see what they're up to, you know, whether it's in, you know, South Florida or, or, or Orlando or, you know, Irvine, California. That's how we met. That's how you and I originally absolutely, met. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was, and, 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 you know, it was effective. You know, it wasn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't make millions of dollars having a, a, a talk show, uh, but it, it, the real value that I gained from it, which is what I was hoping is that I'll start to meet people and really see the value in the community and, and having a nice community. 
Um, so I did that for a few years, and then I, I realized I just didn't have the time to put into it on my own. Uh, but what hasn't gone away from me over this time frame is the desire and just the motivation to want to build a stronger community. You know, I feel like, and back then, let me backtrack for a minute. Back then, a few years ago, when we were looking at technology and insure tech, kind of the running theme or feeling was we're going to be disrupted as an independent space. We're going to be up against a lot of strong technology that we can't manage in small agencies or go up against. And what has transpired over time is we came to realize we need tech, but we need agents. And so once that once we started coming to that realization, and like I said, I, I maintain that real strong desire to say, you know what, if we can aggregate agents in a really positive way, start to build out what we're seeing as opportunities beyond where we are now and how we how our brands presented, how we engage with each other. Um, I think there's a lot of things we can do in a positive way. And if we bring all the right people together, I think it's just going to be exponential value that's going to be created. So uh, probably a long answer to your question, but that's kind of where I am now. Well, I mean, you got a long career, man. Like for you to be able to summarize it that quick is pretty impressive. Honestly, <laughs> I, I'd still be going. Um, <laughs> I could have gave you a lot more of the mundane details for sure. Well, talk a little bit. I mean, so this whole metaverse thing, man, like I'm going to be completely honest with you. I am so far out of the loop on it. Like I, I, I get kind of what the deal is, but why don't you let's let's start with building a foundation because I've got to believe that there are so many other agents out there that hear it and are just like me, and it's like, yeah, I hear about it, but I don't really know what I'm getting into, and so I'm I'm interested in in I heard you do a really good job of explaining it when we were out at One City World Tour in Denver with Scott and Bradley. So yeah, um, I'm, ha- I'm happy to. Uh, you know, I, I'll start with this, and Ryan, jump in any time, too. Um, the metaverse, let me be as simple as I can be. The metaverse is clunky. It's, it's kind of nonsensical right now. And it's really, it doesn't have the cozy feel yet of, of, of a place that you want to go to and just hang out in. So what does well, I, that mean? I think mean? you have to define what, what it is first, though, Joe. Like, f- coming from a blank slate, nobody understands anything about it. Can you conceptualize, like, what the, a metaverse is? And is there only one or is there many? Sure. I mean, how, a how metaverse, I think a metaverse by definition, it's just a virtual world that you can go to to engage with other people and, and, and kind of an avatar format. Okay? So you create a digital version of yourself, a little character. And you go to this platform, and here's the really, I guess, the confusing part, and it was a great point you brought up. There, the metaverse is supposed to, I think, the, the, the grand dream or the grand fantasy of a metaverse is you have all these virtual worlds that exist, and your little avatar can hop from one to the other and engage with whatever's going on in those particular virtual worlds or, or, or ecosystems. It's not there yet. What we have right now is a bunch of individual virtual worlds, you know, whether it's Decentraland or Roblox or Sandbox. Sandbox. They're, yeah. all, they're all creating their own virtual worlds. But if you go set up an avatar to engage with people on Sandbox, I can't go off that platform and jump onto Roblox and do the same thing there. I have to set up a different uh, avatar and a different character and, or personality to interact there. So... What the metaverse, I guess, is, is people are hoping it's going to be, it's not there yet because it's, it's, it's a bunch of individual little fantasy places. But there are virtual worlds. Uh, so, And that's the part that kind of feels clunky. 
The other part that kind of feels clunky is you, you might go to one of these places and you might see one other person or two other or two other character avatars. So it's not like it's a bunch of people doing a lot of crazy, interesting things. It's kind of like, you know, two or three people looking around saying, OK, I'm not really sure what's going on here. This is kind of strange. It's awkward. You know, some of them have voice chat where you can talk to each other. But it makes it even more awkward. So it's not there's no cozy feel to it. And what you're seeing too right now is. Most of the reason folks go to the metaverse is because of some kind of one-off event. Like, we're giving away this today with a ray. Come check this out. You might jump on, uh, check it out, and then you leave. You're not People aren't hanging out there, staying there, uh, getting to know each other. It's, you know, we're in and we're out. Uh, so that's, that's one of the things I think a lot of these metaverse platforms need to work on is you have to create a different kind of environment where people want to stay and engage and really do other things besides just kind of look at each other and get a feel for it. Cause right now it just feels awkward. However, as we, as, as I think, you know, I, David talked about quite a bit, there's going to be a lot of opportunity at some point. Web three is going to be where the attention's going to be and where people are going to be wanting to understand and learn more of it. So what we're, what we're going to see, I think in the long run is, like right now in Web 2, we have social media, right? We have we do a lot of our business. We do it on post. We have websites. What I see the big differentiator with Web 3 is you can go from just looking at somebody's brand or looking at somebody's website to actually stepping into it. You can experience it in three dimensions, which sounds a little bit weird, but I there's think a, that's really where we're going. There's this website called, and so I, I you know I've messed around with this stuff a lot. And there's there's something called Rev Cars, right? So you go to OpenSea, you buy a Rev car. Now, David, if I go to the Rev website, I'm able to race that car against other cars there. Now, that's not a metaverse, really, but it is, it's a utility that you can leverage virtually, kind of like Joel was saying, where it brings you into that experience much different. And I, and I think that we don't need to overcomplicate metaverse. Everybody's used them before. World of Warcraft, Roblox, Second Life. I mean, all of these were, were kind of metaverse. Minecraft like, also. I, Minecraft, yeah. I mean, Roblox is going to be probably, I don't care what anybody says, just because of the following that they have, that will be the place. I mean, my kid spends hours in that space, and she doesn't think about it as a metaverse. I mean, you know, I've bought property in Decentraland, and I've bought, bought property in Sandbox. And, you know, I, there's not as much utility in those places as, Ro, as Roblox, right? You can go build games and worlds and all this other stuff in Roblox, but you can't not, like you said, I mean, you can create kind of cool stuff in these worlds, but a lot of it's like nickel and diming kind of monetization strategies, you know, where you're buying this and holding and hoping and building stuff together and making cool spaces. Um, did you see IMA's entrance into the metaverse, though? Joel? I did actually. We're having uh, we're having a conversation next week, Ryan, with them with uh, with Nifty, our program, uh, because what they're doing is creating a, a web uh, a laboratory. And David, Decentraland is one of these platforms uh, in the metaverse that you can buy virtual land, you can build on it, you know, build digitally on it. Uh, IMA Financial is the first insurance-based web or laboratory, and they're experimenting with, with higher-end or, I guess, higher-volume carriers on writing insurance on the blockchain, um, what insurance can look like in, in virtual metaverse uh, spaces. Um, and I think that's pretty fascinating. What, I, what I'm going to have a conversation with them next week about, and we've been talking about on, on separately, is 
what we're doing with Nifty is building an agent-facing community. You know, what we're doing is teaching agents uh, in, a, in a different, unique kind of platform what digital engagement looks like, uh, what it looks like to put your brand out there in a metaverse. Um, and what I, what I share with IMA Financial is, you know what, you're, you're going to be looking for a distribution community. As you're putting all these pieces together, you're going to need an agent side, uh, distribution side. Um, and that's what we're trying to, what we are trying to build is that community that not only understands what value is, but also is a little bit more tech savvy, a little bit more uh, enabled to have a conversation, a real conversation about what they're trying to do, about what other carriers are going to be trying to do with bringing agents in and selling more insurance. So it's going to be an interesting thing, but uh, some, that's some side of it we're going to be keeping up with because it's going to be relevant. And what they do at that lab um, is going to be interesting in how they're going to bring, bring in agents at some point, I believe. Yeah, I think the carriers should get together and build because mo- the metaverses today don't have weather events. So you look at most of those. And I mean, that's that's my biggest problem with crypto from a asset like an NFT, right? You take an NFT that's digital that you go get. And so now you have this picture that, that is worth something today. If I buy a Mona Lisa or if I buy a Picasso, just by the nature of the Picasso existing today, it's rare, right? Because it survived fires and weather and all this stuff. Well, in the NFT space and in the metaverse space right now, there is no degrading ability in on the asset. And so I'm curious if long term they create deg- degradation mechanisms like, hey, buy and sh- you know, the carriers come together, they build a metaverse that has weather events and all this stuff in there that then they could actually have true insurance ramifications where it wasn't so much because right now a lot of it's skins and you get this little asset, you get this little thing for hanging out with us and doing different stuff. And it's it's braggadocious, but it's to a very niche crowd. And I and I don't know I, again the value of it's commiserate with FOMO. Really, I think so much of our value today with crypto space is FOMO based. Um, but I'll be interested to see if they can figure out how to make some of this stuff have some kind of ability to to need insurance, so it wouldn't just be there forever on that digital asset space. Interesting points too. I. Uh... We're introducing what we're doing with Nifty. Part of it, you know, it's it's, it's basically a dual membership. So our platform consists of um, not just uh, I'm sorry, it's a platform and it's a community that's built around a rewards program, but it's also built around Web three engagement and brand promotion. Brand promotion. So what we're doing, what we've what we come up with, is what we call an NFP, which is a non fungible promotion. And what that really Matt, what that really means is. Essentially, we want to take a digital image, much like an NFT is created. We're not going to put it on blockchain. So right away, we're de-risking what that image stands for. We don't want it to be volatile or, or, or have to incur any of the volatility in the crypto market right now. What we want to do with it instead, and what we are doing with it, is branding that NFP, that image, with your agency. And what, therefore, what we're, allowed, what we're able to do is use that as a promotional tool. You know, I see three major differences, and I'm going to share it with our Nifty community this week, David. Three benefits or three, three, three particular variables that make what we're doing with NFPs better than what, 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 what's happening with NFTs. Uh, one, of that, one of those first things is there's a current trend uh, with the, just the popularity and the engagement with NFTs. We can look to use this as a promotional tool to sell more insurance. Uh, they stand out, secondly, because they're going to be branded with agency logos. And then, like I mentioned, the third thing, they're de-risked. So the de-risked approach of taking it off, the, not putting it on the blockchain, 
but utilizing it as a utility for a lot of agencies. Well, um, it'll just, you know, especially in our industry, because uh, we don't know what's possible and we're not going to jump in head first, like I said, but we do see value in this in the long run. And as a community, we want to explore how can we use these as promotional tools? Um, how can we use them like NFTs, but not have to deal with the volatility of crypto? And I think so that's a, that education component is going to be a different kind of a different kind of channel, I think. Here's what I want to say, because my generation is looking at this like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. It doesn't make any sense. There's no way this is ever going to go anywhere. People, if that's where your head is, stop. Stop and think right now. When I went to college, the internet didn't exist, and it is now a daily part of our lives. We are probably one of the most privileged generations that's come out, that has grown up through technological advances as far as I'm concerned because we've watched the internet get built. We've watched email become the primary mode of communication and then move to chat, you know, and then to chat bots and everything else. So if you don't think this is something that you should be paying attention to, you're kidding yourself. It's not going to go away. It's only going to become more robust. And to Joe's point of it being clunky, I remember what it was like to try and log into Prodigy, okay? I remember what it was like right. getting the AOL disks in my mail and having to disable call waiting so you didn't get booted off the internet prior to DSL and then broadband and everything else coming out. So, you know, I don't I don't want to lose anybody listening to this because you're going to remember the day you heard this podcast five, maybe 10 years from now when this stuff is all mainstream and commonplace. And you're going to remember you heard it here and I told you to listen. Well, and I, and I think that, you know, for, for, for the listeners that this does seem overwhelming, I think first just acknowledge it is. There's a, it's a lot here. There's a lot here. But there are some tactical things that you can do immediately to start at least lowering that barrier. And the first really is very common. You go get a meta, you go to metamask.com to type Google MetaMask and get your MetaMask account. And what that is is kind of like a single sign-on for all these web properties that are out there. Once you have your MetaMask set up, then and it doesn't cost anything. It's totally free. It takes you three minutes. There's you have to remember this passphrase, but then you can start going into these other web properties and at least you'll you'll you can go into decentraland then you can go into the sandbox then and at least look at that and walk around and be like okay because what i think is the most critical is this is where your consumer is going to be <laughs> you know five ten years from now this is where your consumer is going to live you know when you look at our children when you look at that upcoming person this is where they're being creative this is where meetings are happening this is where everything is being pushed and it is very daunting to, to, to take these initial steps. But once you do that and you, you kind of demystify it a little bit, you feel you get a little warm, fuzzy. You, you don't feel so scared that all this stuff is moving so quickly. Because if you thought it moved fast before, it's just like you're away for this thing for a couple of weeks and brand new stuff comes up. I mean, do you agree with that, Joel? Oh, absolutely. And you know what, too, Ryan, for Nifty, we and, and I've actually already brought David to it a couple of times. We started on Spatial, which is a different platform. And the thing about which, Spatial, which by the way, is clunky in and of itself. Everybody, just so you know, like, it's clunky. It's clunky and it's awkward. And, and you know, well, I'm I, talking about. I, I'm specifically talking about getting me to go in there. <laughs> <laughs> that in and of itself, getting agents to even step into that space has been a victory too. You know, uh, but you know, and it wasn't even until this week that we got legs on our avatar. So we're definitely improving by the week here. Uh, but the, the interesting thing about Spatial. And I'm actually, I started to see this with Decentraland now, is you don't even have to have a crypto wallet. You can do it just through your browser. Um, so going back to kind of my earlier point, too, is 
the demystifying, it's going to be a slow process, but you know, we're going to take the time. We should all be taking the time to slowly and surely just understand different components of it because truly spatial is just like every other place. You can't buy virtual land there yet, but you can create your own virtual space. I can create a killing commercial space and spatial if I want to you know, broadcast something there or things like that. Uh, but the idea is, is, is just kind of creating that visual, what it looks like to go into these virtual worlds how we can engage on the business side of it, and how does that make sense to our brand without being affected by the Ethereum market this week? You know, So at some point, yeah, we will be more crypto-based as a company and as a community uh, with, with Nifty and I'm sure the insurance industry too. Um, but there's no urgency to, for us to get on crypto right now. The urgency right now is to understand what Web3 looks like, in my opinion, and what that experience is like, and what does your brand look like in that environment, and how can you engage in the how? How can you draw your biggest fans in? How can you evolve your brand? Because you know what, and I think David mentioned this a while back. You better be constantly evolving your brand, uh, because if you if you sit still on that, the people aren't getting the experience from you that they expect. They are by and large going to go somewhere where they can get that experience. You know and I I want easy. I want engaging. I want to see things that captivate my interest. I don't want to see stale And 10 years ago when I go buy something, whether it's an insurance product or go rent a car or whatever the case might be. So it's meeting people where they are, but it's understanding as an agent community, how do we get there? How do we go from where we are now, Web2, and just start to get a good feel for it? And hey, you know what? As a community, start drawing up ideas of how we can do things differently Oh, maybe we can try this out. Maybe we can try these things out. Oh. We can see it in real time how it affects all of us. And can you lay out the difference just because some some individuals might not know Web 2 versus Web 3? Can you just break that down? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. Um, so Web Web 1, going back to the Prodigy and the AOL CDs, that's that was the, that was the start of it all, right? We go into the internet. I remember sitting in my, my apartment and listening to the AOL chat uh, – with the, what's they call it, that, that noise to get you online. And then once you're on the web and you're like, okay, now what do I do? Like, okay, now I see a big blank screen. You go type in something to look at, maybe some photos, and that was it. There wasn't really websites yet, but that was the, that's where it all started. Web 2 uh, was the creation and the advent of social media, basically. It was an opportunity for us to engage. It took that kind of initial AOL chat and messenger, uh, you know, uh, opportunity and then launched it onto different platforms where now we can engage, we can comment, now we can do business via social media, we can actually engage with each other, and it's not just looking at websites. Web3 will allow us to step into the internet. It will allow us to experience it all around us. And that's the consensus is it's like it's going to be like you're living in the, you know, everything's going to be smart. Everything's already smart for the most part around us. But that's going to continue. That's not going anywhere. That's just going to continue to grow. And everything you do, everything we do in life, there's going to be this digital connection. And we're going to be living this in the environment, not just looking at it on a screen. So that's that's really going to be what Web3 is all about. Perfect. 
I think that where we're going to have the roadblock or the speed bump in development, specifically in the insurance industry, is with the blue bloods, man. The same place we have the logjam for everything else. It's the agency owners that don't listen to the next generation coming in and realize that they need to be listening because this is who's going to be buying from them. You know, it's very, very short sighted unless you have your perpetuation plan in place that you're going to just or or the lack thereof and you're just going to sell your agency and close it. This is the kind of stuff you have to be paying attention to. And I'm not saying that this is a viable way to do commerce or anything like that right now. I mean, it's it, it will get there. I don't even know when it'll actually happen to where it becomes mainstream because development... I mean, think about this, man. 15 years ago, right around 15 years ago is when the iPhone came out the first time. Yep. You know? So now it's like it, iPhone, Android, all of that. We all carry our lives around in our pockets. And you know, I'm the guy that used to get pissed off when the cord to the phone got tangled up and I tried to un, you know un, untangle it and I'd either rip it off the wall or jerk it off the table or whatever, you know, because that's how we used to communicate. I was telling a story to somebody the other day about how we actually used to have to dial phones to get the phone number to go through. And you'd only dial six digits when you were calling that girl that you liked, because if you dialed seven, it was actually going to ring and you had to get your guts, you know, where they needed to be to do that. And God forbid, her dad answered the phone because then you had to hang up right away because you were freaked out. Right. But I mean, if you think, I mean, I'm not that old, man, I'm 40, I'm going to be 49 this year so granted it's almost over a 50 year time frame but the amount of technological advances that have happened over my life and specifically the last 25 of those years it's just accelerated at such a a rate that I mean realistically this thing could be everywhere in in, in three to four years I I think you know if they came up you think about like Garrett from IMA did did a metaverse meeting with one of his buddies and they they Put it online, right? And you know, is is that a way that employers can have better connection with employees in that space? So I think, and I think you're absolutely right, Dave. I think that you know, technology. When you look at t- zero to ten, you know, two thousand zero, two thousand to two thousand and ten, there was advancements. Then ten to fifteen, more. Advanced. I mean, it's like exponentially every year we're getting faster and faster, and expected to know more and more. And I think the main thing is adaptability. Right, having the, the recognition that I need to be adaptable, that things are going to be constantly in flux, and it, it's self-serving because it keeps up with your consumer, your employees, your business, and if you, as you get to know this stuff, you're able to de- determine where it fits in your intersection. Even if you say, you know what, it's not a fit for us, at least get knowledgeable enough to figure that out. That it's not a fit right now. At some point in time, it may be. Yeah, that that exponential curve is 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 a, pr- a little overwhelming, right? So to your yes. point about the blue bloods, you know, I, I talked to some principals at different agencies, some of the older guys over the last few months. I mean, they, these there's some of these guys that don't even have a Facebook account, um, who who won't even go on Facebook Messenger. Uh, they know the relevance of it, but they they just don't want to get you know distracted with it per se. But they're interested in Web three, and I'm like, you are literally jumping from Web one to Web three. Like you, you missed the whole middle part, um, and this is this is going to really overwhelm you because, um, you know, I know you, you like the tech side of it, but when you start trying to understand uh, digitally how to create just a personality and then engage, engage in that, that's gonna, that's going to be a pretty steep learning curve. The problem is it's going fast now. You know, technology is pushing us way faster than it used to. 
Um, and I think that's going to really have, have an impact on how quick people adapt. They're going to adapt with a very little education. Um, they're not really going to know what to do with it. They're not going to understand how to utilize it best with their agencies. Um, and that's really the solution we're hoping to provide there, that community and that just resource for that. So, um, so what's the, what's the end game? I mean, I, I realize that's like an impossible question to answer. It's like saying, hey, go explore space and come back and tell me what you Ready find. Player one. It never I mean, ends. <laughs> Ready Player One, right? Like, yeah, the you, end game you, is just deciding what works best for you. You know, the problem is at some point your your antiquated technology is probably going to leave you behind. And, and not probably, very likely. Um, and, you know, what, what you want to do with it is is up to you. You know, it's where do you want to meet your clients? You know, there's probably going to be, there's always going to be a percentage of people that are going to do business the old school way, but eventually there's, there's going to be fewer and fewer of those. So as we move forward and as we want to, you know, and it's exciting too, you know, eventually this clunkiness is going to dissipate and this is going to be a really fun place, I believe, to be. How we utilize it remains to be seen, but I think it's still, at the end of the day, going to be a very interesting way to engage people with your brand. I mean, you've got a strong following, David. You want to appeal to your fans and your audience. You want to reinvent your brand, I'm sure, on a regular basis. This is going to be a great opportunity, I see, for you. Once you get a firm grasp on what it all kind of looks like, I think you're going to really want to double down on it because you're going to see it's, it's, just, it's just a whole new level that you're going to be able to have fun with people, engage with them, and do business. So here's my thing, man, because and I'm going to say something, putting myself out there, knowing I could very, very easily look stupid when I say this. But um, I bought an Oculus to, to play games on. Um, I've played one and it freaked me out because I was playing that. I was playing. We bought Climb 2 and I was like on a skyscraper somewhere and climbing across and jumping back and forth. And it was so realistic. Like I literally almost fell over because... Like I, I look like one of those YouTube outtakes, but I have to imagine that that will be, if it's not already, a, a crazy interface into the metaverse because oh, yeah. now it's not just behind a keyboard typing or using a mouse or whatever else. You're actually going through and it, you're experiencing this digital world as if it were real life. Think about Amazon there, right? Now I can go into Amazon and I can go shopping, right? I mean, literally, when you think about how th they're projecting that being utilized once once all the hardware becomes a little more seamless, you're going to have virtual storefronts left and right where you're able to really go in, customize things the way you want it, order that, and it gets drop shifty in the next day, and it's like, oh my gosh. And so, yeah, but I think, Dave, the, the biggest thing is like getting in there a little bit, playing with it so you can kind of see that stuff. I mean... Yeah, Oculus is next for us too, Dave. Like, you know, my, my agenda with Nifty right now is to get an Oculus in all of our pilots' hands. You already have one, but, you know, at some point, it's going to be part of just that engagement side. I mean, can you imagine, you know, um, you know Glovebox building a virtual space where you go to their, you know, their, their site, you go to their little virtual space with the VR, and it's like you're hanging out in Denver. It looks like you're hanging out at One City World Tour, except we all look a little bit different. Um, and, you know, we could sit around and, and play games, arcade games, while we're sitting in Glovebox's virtual space as if we were in person without even having to leave our desk. So that kind of stuff's neat. It is, it is disoriented. I know I get a little fearful playing those VR, especially the scary ones where things are chasing you because I can't handle it. It feels too real to me. Um, but uh, I think that's going to be part of it, and that's going to be part of the experience. But that's going to be part of you, I guess, getting a full sense of, 
you know, if your clients are interested in this, um, you know, it, it can also be an educational component. So where the virtual reality can teach them while they're hanging out in your virtual world about, you know, some of the principles of killing commercial or some of the principles of things you really care about or, you know, some of the chapters from your book. Uh, it could be a, a fully sensory experience versus just pulling up your, you know, your website on my phone kind of thing. So it's a uh, it's different level, but it's going to be all about experimenting. But to your points, yeah, I think it's going to be. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm I'm sort of pumped in in cautiously optimistic at the same time for what what this looks like because I mean we've also seen how much technology fail, right? I, I just I don't I don't know that that's going to be possible with this because it seems like so many people are doubling down and. In an early stage, too, right? So, like anything else, your early adopters are going to be the ones that um, are going to make the be, be the biggest earners off of it. Because at the end of the day, that's what everyone wants to know: How am I going to monetize this? How is this going to make me money? How is this, you know, how can we fit this wild virtual world into a capitalistic society and make it function, right? But I think that the gaming companies have already figured all that out. It's just a matter of how they're going to do it in a new platform. Because I can assure you, if you've ever had a kid who's played Fortnite or Minecraft or any of these other things, even though it's not necessarily you know monthly recurring revenue, it's almost like daily recurring revenue because my kids are bugging right. me to buy them crap for these games <clears throat> literally every day. Yep. So I, I don't think we're going to be far off from figuring out the ways to monetize in there. It's just going to be a matter of what it looks like for us as far as how we would conduct business being a relatively regulated industry, you know, what, what are we allowed to do? What are we not allowed to do? It, you know, is it state specific? I mean, we're not really in any geography at that point. So what does that look like from a regulation standpoint? Well, I'll be curious to see if we use it Honestly, for insurance agents, I think education, right? I bring a client into the metaverse. I show them their building. I say, here's a, here's wind catastrophe. Here's flood catastrophe. Here's a fire. Did you create an emotional reaction from that individual? Does that person now want to go and raise their limits more? Can I show them, you know, what the difference between replacement costs is? So I think again, enterprising agencies are going to be able to leverage this in a multitude of ways. I, I see it being a ways off, but you, you can't get there unless you if it's the super far away topic you can't get there you got to get in there and start messing with it so that so all that good insurance knowledge mixes with some of this new stuff so you can get conceptualized utilization well that's the thing man i would we talked about that exact concept when you were on the podcast the very first time yeah and i actually was talking to somebody about being able to do that on their website you because know, that's what the original context was if you could just right. go click a picture of the building or whatever imagine as a middle market producer if one of your issued pieces of equipment was an oculus headset and you <laughs> right. take you're that you take that to wherever you're going to go or you just put yours on and you send one to the client or whatever for them to to be able to view the proposal on and show them just like what Ryan said here's what would happen if you had a normal you know wind event in your building and then show them like maybe even have a meter running what the out of pocket cost would be based <laughs> exactly. on current coverage or something <laughs> like it would be crazy right like to show somebody realistically you have a 5% wind deductible here's what that would cost you and this is just a normal event let's ramp it up a little bit let's show you what it would look like if a full blown you know cat 3 hurricane were to come through this is what it looks like and this is how much it was it's going to cost and this is what we could reasonably project the damage to your building would be and show them in 
like actual motion graphics what's happening in real time like that seems so hard to conceptualize and, and actually make it get into production but i'm a big believer man that if you can think it it's it it, it can happen i mean i think about shows like 24 like that those shows scare the living crap out of me because if some guy could think about that to put it on a tv show it's probably already happened and none of us just don't we just don't know about it because the government doesn't let us know about it like how many times have we had to worry about our fuel reserves being you know captured or whatever or blown up you know we don't know that but i know that there's a freaking sheriff's department car in front of every plant you know down here because of that reason is to, to help protect it so i just think there's so much you can do from a visualization and experiential standpoint that's really what i think is crazy because i can only articulate so much verbally right, right. i can only go in and try and explain somebody something to somebody so many times but for them to actually touch it feel it live it and experience it is far more powerful far more emotional it's going to lead them to make the decision that i want them to make and you just i mean you hit i, keep, I couldn't nod my head enough while you were saying all that david but it's you, you hit the nail on the head and that's you know that's what i think we should be doing is you know is showing you the groundwork showing you the basic foundation of what these metaverses or what these experiences look like and do exactly what you just said imagine x y and z Right. So when you start having these conversations of imagining X, Y and Z from an agent perspective and we have uh, an aggregated group of agents that say, hey, that's a really cool idea. Maybe we can move on this direction or try this out. Then you can start having this group effort of saying, OK, what would work for us in the metaverse? What would be a really use, good, you know, strong use case or opportunity for us? And, and that visual touch sensory part is such a huge aspect of what you just described and what the metaverse is going to be for everyone, not just insurance, not just gamers. It's when you walk out of that room, when you leave that space, you're going to be thinking, what did I just experience? And it's not going to be like something you're experiencing right now through Instagram. It's going to be something that's going to feel different. You're going to feel like you were trying to save your life and not fall off that cliff. You're going to feel like now you really see what strong insurance policies look like for your for your building you're going to be able to feel and see and smell and taste what we do on a regular basis but now we're able to kind of transport that or teleport that to our guest or our client Ryan, I know you have a hard stop here in a couple of minutes you were gracious enough to come on due to uh, Kyle's child care issues to be a guest host any any parting comments before you excuse yourself I just get involved with it, man. You know, get, get in it. It's not, it's not, it, it seems scary. There's a lot in the news, but there are massive amounts of advantage for those individuals that can figure out how to leverage this potential. And so if you've got a, a guy like Joe that has uh, kind of an easy way into this, I'd hit him up, check him out, figure it out. Cause the more time that you can do this, the, the, the better all that stuff will percolate or then you'll be asleep one night. You wake up, you have this great idea. Say, this is how we're going to do it. So that's it, brother. Well, I can tell you this, man. You know, one thing that I do think that is a strong suit for me is I don't miss opportunities. Do I make bad decisions? I do, but I'm never going to miss an opportunity. And eight out of 10 decisions that I make might be bad decisions, but the two that I capture because I'm not afraid to move forward with something are going to offset that by an exponent, you know? And so that's the biggest thing for me. I mean, when Joe asked me, it wasn't even a hard decision. I was in immediately because I, I'm like, you know what? I don't even know what this thing is, but right. I've heard enough about it and let's go. I'll figure it out along the way. And usually I do a pretty decent job of figuring out how I'm going to monetize it or make it work for me or whatever. So I think, um, you know, I think it, it's, it's kind of a time of uncertainty, which is always 
uh, uncomfortable for people, but I pretty much live uncomfortable, man, because I'm going to constantly push the envelope. I don't want to, you know, that's just the way that I think. And I, yeah, that's I, how I, you grow. That's how you grow. So, yep. I really think it's going to be crazy. Joe, what else? Do you have anything else you want to add or you want to go ahead? And I, I can up? honestly, guys, I could talk about this for another two hours, but you know, it's um, I, just extended on your thought. It's just taking a little bit of a chance. And the, the truth is that, you know, the more we, the more we start educating each other and the more, you know, that, that you start to understand it and Bradley starts to understand it and Daniel starts to understand it, you're going to be talking about it more. So it's going to become a natural growing conversation so you know right now we're, we're, we're a bunch of individuals trying to offer each other some insight over time over the next year over the next two years our our, our core group is going to get more knowledgeable we're, we're going to be able to share it. you're going to share it probably in your content as, as time moves on it's going to become just this bigger conversation so i think that's where that organic growth will start to pay off and the community will really strengthen but uh it's being open to it's you know half the battle. So good for you, and uh, you know it's really a pleasure to have you on board because you have great insight. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's my my pleasure to be part of it. I you know I'm humbled that you would even consider me to to be part of a pilot project like this because no you know nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? You know? <laughs> absolutely, no. It was it was a yeah. no brainer to have you on. But uh, yeah, if anybody wants to check it out right now, we're at uh, nifty nftyrewards.com, and then. Uh, we're running a pilot right now with 12 pilots, uh, 13 pilots, excuse me, through the end of June, uh, which at that time we'll be doing a whole new season. And uh, we'll be evolving from there, you know, with feedback from you guys and, and see what looks like, what, what next looks like for us. Good deal, man. Well, listen, I think what we should do is wrap up now and we're going to have you back on. I mean, I want to have you back on soon, like after this pilot's over to talk about what you've learned, because to me, for people to get educated, we have to educate them. We have to put the information in front of them. And this is one of those things that maybe we don't do the, the two hour long conversation, but if we put out a series of podcasts, almost like a quarterly update where we're giving them, Hey, here's what we've learned. Here's what you can be doing right now and get feedback because that's the other cool part. I get a lot of unsolicited feedback via email from people that are into this kind of stuff. And I know you will too, after being on the podcast and it's only going to make it that much easier and that much stickier for you as you build this out. So I think that unofficially I just committed you to at least two more podcasts <laughs> this year to give updates, but I think it'll be really, really good to do that. Cause I want to be, I want to lead, you know, and be on ahead of the curve on all of this stuff and then take our audience along for the ride as we do. So absolutely. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure to, and I really appreciate you offering that. So uh, I think that's the best the best medicine to try to understand this, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll do that one, you know one bit at a time. But uh, certainly, we're happy to join you. So thank you. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen, it is Joe Hollier from theniftyrewards.com. He has been with us. Ryan Deeds had a prior commitment and had to slip out early. We thank him for being on, but make sure you check out theniftyrewards.com so you can see just exactly what Joe's doing. And then as soon as this pilot's over and he begins to open this up, maybe you're the next person in line. Talk to you later. See you. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 